again, just want to remind everyone that Pastor's wrapping up his vacation. Uh, today is the, the last day of his vacation. So we do know that Pastor mentioned that we had uh, different pastors coming in. So at this point in time, I'd like to introduce Pastor Chuck Gamble, who's going to be preaching the word today. Nowadays, now even the microphone. <laughs> Glory to God. It's good to be here this morning. The old guy said, you know, at my age, it's good to be about anywhere. But I'm glad to be here. Uh, new hope. Full gospel. This is full gospel, right? Is it half full or full? Full gospel. That I'm at, at the right place. You know, it's, uh, I know how hard it is, uh, uh, as a pastor to let somebody else in the pulpit. At least for me, and I think for most of us, it's, it's very guarded because it's a very sacred place. And there's a lot of foolishness has gone across the sacred desks. And I believe that today, if, you keep up with the news or even glance at a newspaper. I believe that we're living in the last of the last of the last of the days. And uh, fear has been unleashed upon the earth. And uh, people don't know what to do, what's coming. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the news of today. And I don't think that we should stick our head in the sand and not pay any attention to it because I know one thing, intercessors will never go out of business. Intercessors will never, their job will never be finished until we hear that trumpet and hear the Lord call us out of here. He said, occupy until he comes. That lets me know a couple of things. I just can't sit down in my rapture suit and wait to get out of here. And I need to be doing something until he does come. I think occupy doesn't mean sit and wait. It means to at least maintain what you have, and it's good to take some more ground. And these days, I came today, and I was, uh, you know, I asked the Lord when I found out, uh, Pastor Joe asked me, and, and I promised him, I said, I'll do my best that when you come back, you won't have to do any damage control. So I'm really going to try that today, and by the grace of God, I believe we can do it. But I looked, uh, and I prayed, and I came up, and when I saw this, this was my answer. My message today is, can you believe? And I don't have to have a confirmation. You know, you hear what you believe is God. We're all learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. But a confirmation is good once in a while. Can you agree with that? It's good to, uh, even by a person or a situation, that this is the will of God. This is the way to go. And I have come to encourage you. Uh, my gorgeous wife of 40 years is uh, pastoring and sharing the message at our church down the road uh, this morning, and I'm thankful for that. And and pastor asked me, said, do you have someone that can preach? And I said, yeah, she preaches through me. She tells me what to, what to preach, so I'm sure she can do it on her own. And uh, I really miss her today because, you know, the signals that the spouses will give, you know, like I had to make sure that the pockets are out and there's no lint and I don't go too long, you know, the signals like. So I'm without that today, so I really got to be led by the Holy Ghost. 
And uh, while I'm saying that, let me say this in the face of society. Marriage is a wonderful thing. I love being married. It's an awesome thing. There's nothing wrong with marriage. There may be wrong, something wrong with some folks that are in it. But marriage is a sacred thing between a man and between a woman. And they bring children as an offspring, and God calls that a family. Thank God for families. The most precious thing that there is. My motto has been, as a matter of fact, my nephew Johnny here, he made me a a little plaque like out of wood for, uh, I think it was my birthday. I'm always talking about faith, family, and friends. And he put another one on it. He put food on the one he gave me. But isn't it about, isn't number one priority your faith in Jesus, the living Christ? Isn't that number one, your faith? Number two is our families. You can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. And it's wonderful when brethren, especially families, dwell together in unity. Sometimes families are a mess. God made provision for that. There's reconciliation. It's actually a ministry that he's given us. And then your friends. Where would we be without our friends? Thank the Lord God in heaven for friends. You tell how successful, how rich a man is by how many friends that he has. So be good to your friends. And when you're going up your ladder of success, be good to people because you have to meet them again on your way down. As we're going up the ladder of success in life through Jesus Christ, we're going up the ladder, the one above us, we're pushing them and encouraging them. We're reaching down to those that may be behind us, and we're pulling them up. We're going up this ladder together. You know, I was thinking about the ladder when I believe it was Jacob. He, he, had, he had lost practically everything. He'd been deceived. His brother was out to kill him. He lied to his father because his mother told him to. Had nothing. He took off running for his life. And he ended up way out in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere. And he was laying there after running and just did the worst day of his life, running for his own life. And he stopped and he found in his exhaustion a rock and he made a pillow. And while he was laying there exhausted, he looked up and he saw a ladder going to heaven and there was angels coming down and going up that ladder and he felt the presence of the living God. And you know what he said? He said, surely the Lord is in this place and I never knew it. What place was the Lord in? The most devastating place in his life. We were taught to learn for God in miracles in the church and in the Bible and amongst Christians and at the altar. But in the worst place of your life, Jacob said, I didn't know that. But in the lowest place of my life, surely the Lord is in this place to comfort me and to encourage me and to lift me up. And I saw the angels of God. They even came to minister. Are not we the heirs of salvation? Have not the angels of God came to minister for and to the heirs of of salvation. It's a wonderful thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got an angel.
turn to your other neighbor and say, he got out because I was driving 70 mile an hour to get here. Praise the Lord. Let's look into the Word of God. I'd like to pray. Father, thank you for today. This is the day that you have made. We rejoice and be glad. Lord, I pray that we would be at peace today. I know that the sheep are longing for the shepherd. To hear the voice of the shepherd, Lord, the voice they're used to. But God, I ask you in his absence to use mine to encourage your people. To encourage the sheep. Lord, we are the sheep of your pasture. And we come together, Lord, drinking from the well. The well of salvation. We come drinking from your word. So I pray for your peace to rest upon us. Let, let faith arise. Let faith begin even now to arise. You said the just shall live by faith. That faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of the ever-living God. So, Lord, let your word go forth and let it be received that we grow today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn, please, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. My title this morning is, Canst Thou Believe? Can you believe? Mark 9, and starting with verse 17. And one of the multitudes answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, that spirit, he teareth him, and he, my son, foameth and gnasheth his teeth and pineth away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him, Jesus answered the man, the father, and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tore him. When the, when the demon spirit saw Jesus, he began to tear at the young son. And he fell on the ground and he wallowed foaming. It's perhaps like an epileptic seizure. And he asked his father, Jesus asked the father, how long is it once since this care unto him? How long has this came up? He'd been like this. And he said, oh, as ever since he was a child. And oftentimes he has cast him into the fire and into the waters. And he destroyed, tries to destroy him. But Jesus, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Because in a situation like this, it affects the whole family. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. The other day, a couple of weeks ago, I knelt down to pray with some prayer requests at the altar of the church. We had a day of uh, fasting and prayer, and I got all the prayer requests out. We had a list, and... I leaned over the little altar that we have there and prepared myself and trying to flex my spiritual muscles and just not run to God with all these needs. I wanted to worship Him a little bit first. I wanted to be in His presence. I wanted to get a feel for Him, and then I can bring my petitions to Him. And I leaned over, and the first thing that came out of my mouth, I said, Lord, Your Word said if, 
if I can believe all things are possible. And God began to illuminate that in my spirit. And uh, I said it again and again. And then I went and got a pencil and paper, and it just began to flow. For me, it was one of those times when I just heard God preparing a message in me before I even got to the prayer request. And this is what came out of that. And uh, perhaps it was just for me, but I believe. How many times do we say, I believe? And Jesus said, if you can believe. All things are possible. So as I looked into that, I believe God kind of opened up to me what it really means to believe. And uh, I've always believed this, that if I know what I'm doing, I can do it a lot better. That's really deep, but that's the way I operate. Verse 23, Jesus said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. If indicates that some may not believe that all things are possible. And you know, the length of my message today depends on your response. So far, it's going to be a very long message. <laughs> there you go. We're moving along. If you can believe all things are possible because you believe. If indicates, and Jesus said it, if indicates that sometimes it may be difficult to believe, agree or disagree. Sometimes, in some situations, it may be difficult to believe, and uh, we'll look at that in a moment. But if there are no ifs among believers, impossibilities become possible. Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Can you believe that with God, all things are possible? If you can, then all things are possible because you believe. It's play on words, but to me, I got to have things many different ways so I'll get an understanding of really what it's meaning. I like to look at things uh, from many different directions to get a clear picture. Aren't we called believers? So what does that mean? Well, I believe that faith and believing are pretty close together. I have faith and I believe they're pretty well uh, in the same ballpark, if you would. Can you believe? And if I can believe, all things are possible, okay? So now I know I need to believe, but all things are po What are the all things that are possible? Well, God has promised all things in the Scriptures, all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Second Peter 1, 3, according to His divine power, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now that helps me. That came clearer to me to understand that Jesus gives us all things. So the all things that Jesus gave me are possible if I will believe. But I need to know what the all things are so I can believe them. And he said, I've given you all things that pertain to this life and to live godly. That helps me. 
People will, when we talk about holiness, people will say, well, there's only one holy, and that was Jesus, or there's one holy through the Lord. Why would Jesus say, be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord? Why would God ask us be something that was impossible? Through believing, people don't want to say they're holy because they don't want to live like it. Do you know that the ungodly people know how we ought to live better than we do sometimes? Come Sunday morning, they want to know why your car didn't leave for church. You have a conversation and a few swear words slip out, or you tell a lie, or you get into gossip, and they'll say, I thought you was a Christian. They don't even claim to be. We just came back, my wife and I, from a conference in Columbus, Ohio, four days. We was in 16 services in four days. And the message was, I was so glad to hear it. Basic to what I got out of it, it's time to cut the fat. It's time to get real. It's time, if we're not, to get disciplined. It's time to believe what we say we believe. It's time to act upon what we say we believe. It's time to stop being carnal. It is time to be holy. Be ye holy. Holy is not being holy on Sunday and carnal on Monday. If we're going to live this thing and do it, we I believe your pastor preaches the same thing. If we're going to live it, let's live it right. Let's be integral. Let's be Christians. Christians ought to be integral people. If you say, I'll be there at 9 o'clock, be there at 9 o'clock. Jesus said, I'll give you all things and all things are possible. So whatever Jesus says I can have, I can have. Whatever Jesus says is possible, it's possible if I will believe. Many possibilities and my possibilities all depend on my knowing the promises and believing them. If I don't know what's promised by reading the Scriptures, I don't know how to believe for it. If I know it's in the book and God said, this is for you, then I can believe for it. And it's all possible if you will believe it. I can't believe something I don't know anything about. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore, Jesus said, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them or believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believe and receive, or doubt and do without. <laughs> That's supposed to be funny. Now listen to this. Jesus said, not that you don't know, but I'm trying to, I want to reiterate it, something you already know. Therefore I say, Jesus is speaking, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have them. It does not say whatsoever things you desire, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What is left out when you pray? Have you ever heard the scripture that God will give you, God will give me the desires of my heart? You know, there's two ways of looking at that. The, the way we all like to look at it is whatever I desire, God will give me. But there's another way. When I pray, God will put in me the desires He wants for my heart. And whatsoever things you God drops in your heart while you're praying, 
Believe you receive and you shall. Isn't that true? It's not just whatever we can think up, we can have. Whatever we can think up, we can get it if we got enough faith. No, I've given you all things, he said, that pertains to life. What pertains to life? Healing, health, salvation, prosperity in body, soul, and spirit. These are part of the all things. And if you can believe all things that God has given us, especially when we pray, you shall receive them. We pray the will of God. We receive the will of God. That's why it's important, as we all know, to read the Scriptures to see what some of the all things that God has promised us are. And He's promised, beloved, above all things, I'd like for you to prosper in your soul, your mind, your will, your feelings, and your emotions. I'd like for you to prosper there. Even your soul, your feelings are prospering. And I want you to be in good health. That's something God has for us. That's something I can believe for because it's part of all things. I want you to prosper in your marriage. I want you to prosper on the work, on the job, in everything that you touch. I want you to prosper. Be at peace. Be holy. That simply means do things my way. Be accountable. Do what you say you're going to do. Be a man and woman of integrity. Is it all right to preach like this here? It's lost, and it's been lost in the church. It used to be, as many of uh, us older folks might remember, when you shook a man's hand a long time ago, and probably before I was born mostly, when you shook a man's hand and made a deal, you take it to the bank. It was a man's word was his bond. It meant something. But today, it doesn't have the same meaning. We're not out to look for blame. What happened went, went wrong. Well, one thing, we're living in the last days. And the pressure has been greatly increased. Unthankful, ungodly, unholy is the nation that's coming up. I'm bringing good news because before the, because the church is the greatest hour the church has ever known. I say it like this. The days we're living in are both scary and exciting. Don't you find it that way? I mean, if you're on Social Security and that's all you get every month is that check and now it's being threatened to be cut off, that would be room for concern. That's why Jesus said, if you can believe me to supply all your need, according to my riches in glory, if you can believe, then you can receive. So our faith has got to be not in our faith, but in the living God, that God's Word, all things... Beloved, above all things, I want you to prosper. So if you can believe, all things that's promised are yours. I think where we got off in the, what is called the faith movement is kind of where I came in and the positive confession. The reason why the so-called faith movement was so popular is because it appealed to the carnal nature. Because you can take your faith and get whatever you want. Mercedes, that brand new house, the first parking place at Walmart. Because after all, you are a king's kid, aren't you? If you can believe for it, if you can have enough faith for it, 
And then we said, this Volkswagen is a Mercedes. This Volkswagen is a Mercedes. If you'll just say it, if you'll just confess it, you can have what you say. That was a movement. And it appealed to everybody because we wanted stuff. And we wanted things, and the faith movement just really built up. Oh, I can have whatever I want if I believe it enough and if I say it enough times. But the sad thing was that wasn't really the way that it is. You'll have what Jesus and the Word says you can have. That's why I want to confess what the Word says I can have. But in my carnality, I want three cars and a truck. And I want it brought to me, and I want it paid for. In Jesus' name, amen. After all, I am a king's kid. <laughs> got off track. Maybe not you, but all those back there. Kind of got off track with the, what we call the prosperity message. I was in the middle of it. I was a member of the gold bracelet club. Oh, yeah. You were really in. You really had faith when you could get a gold bracelet and wear it amongst the other ministers. Oh, you, if you haven't been out of Zanesville, you probably don't know some of the stuff that goes on. But it's not good, some of it. Went to this mega church, 10,000 people. We were one of 50 associate pastors. And it uh, was a prosperity ministry, and it was good, and it was right in the beginning. But something happened. When greed sets in, or when you think, you're the one doing it all. And the thing was, everything was faith, faith, faith. If you were sick, you don't have enough faith. If you don't have this, it's enough, you don't have enough faith. And you know, I said, dear God, will somebody please, please pray for me that's got faith? Every answer to every problem was, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. But I got to reading, you have not because you Ask not, and that was good. But then I read where you have not because you ask amiss. For a long time, I thought amiss was a woman. But I got straightened out on my doctor. But that was always the answer to every problem. You don't have enough faith. That wasn't really the truth. You're really trying to find things in here that you want in your carnal flesh and try to talk God or twist his arm by faith into giving it to you. He said he gives us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The old teaching was gain is godliness. And that's not true. Godliness is gain. But they have gone after the gain. And in this uh, gold bracelet club, all the ministers, you know, you could tell they've arrived in faith when they had a, a gold bracelet. So, you know, I don't want to seem like I got no faith. So, I went to the jewelry store, and I looked them over, and I said, boy, they don't pay me enough to buy that. Woo! I got no faith, it looks like. So everybody went, this is what the Lord did for me. I thought it was precious, but uh, maybe almost humorous, because, you know, I came from Zanesville, Ohio, and ended up in a 10,000-member church as an associate pastor, still wet behind the ears. And I saw all of this prosperity. I saw all of this, oh, Man alive, this is a whole new world. I never knew you could pay $500 for a pair of shoes. I had no clue $10,000 for a watch. $1,200, $1,500 for a suit. I had my leisure suit from Walmart. How many guys ever wore those leisure suits? They were light blue and had yellow ones. Yeah, 
Well, that's how I showed up. <laughs> and so in this gold bracelet club, everybody went to lunch. It was my turn to stay in the office. I had a lot of walk-ins and phone calls. And this guy walked in, and uh, his house had burned down. And uh, I was on. They said, can you talk to him? And I thought, oh, wow, this is a tough one. So long story short, I brought him in and talked to him, and he told me how the, you know his house had burnt down. He'd lost everything. Want to know if the ministry could help him? And we had a benevolence fund. And I said, well, I believe we can put you up for, you know, a few nights in a hotel and get you some food and, you know, take care of you that way. That's about right now. It's the best that we can do. I'm authorized to do for you. And so I got the paperwork started and all and got it to him. And on the way out the door, I'll never forget it. He, he, he had one of those, I call them a CPO jacket or a lumber jacket. It had his flaps in the pockets and they were wool. And, uh, he put his right hand on the doorknob and he flipped up that pocket and pulled out this gold nugget bracelet. And he gave it to me and he said, here, the Lord wanted me to tell you that he loves you. I still got the bracelet today. But I don't wear it because I'm not in the club. <laughs> I love the way that I got mine. I didn't even have to buy it. But see, we can get caught up in that stuff. And we think that the way we look, what we drive, and how we live shows our level of faith. But that's not true whatsoever. I figure when I get to heaven, we have a little um, semi-retarded girl that we've known all of our life. It was in our youth ministry when we were youth pastors. And she prays for us all the time. And she reminds me of my anniversary. She's supposed to be retarded. She calls me and reminds me of my anniversary that I forget and our birthdays and all that. And, you know, I probably when I get to heaven, I think I, you know, I've accomplished some things. Probably see this precious girl there and find out it's because of her prayers, because of her faith that whatever happened that was successful was because of her. See, we, we can't judge others by what we wear, what we look at, or what we have. But all things are possible if you and I can believe. The power of prayer is connected to the depth of our personal relationship with Christ. Everything we do needs to come out of a relationship with Jesus. I thought, sure, I'd get an amen there, but I didn't. Isn't that true? Whatever, if we're doing ministry, if we're, uh, whatever that we do on our job, it ought to come out of a relationship with Jesus. It's called the fruit of God's Spirit. See, God wants us to pray so He can deliver us from self-centeredness. I heard a statement one time. I kind of wish I'd never heard it. But it goes something like this. The less you pray, the more self-confidence you have. Do you know that worry is a substitute for prayer? Do you and I realize that Jesus prays for us day and night? Because it says Jesus ever lives and lives now to make intercession for you. Every individual. You know, I got to thinking about that. See, I'm always concerned, and I think we are concerned when, you know, God seems not to answer our prayers. You know, in the faith movement, you weren't allowed to say that. Oh, He does. I don't see it yet. Well, see, you don't have enough faith. Man, I, I said, well, somebody with faith, please give me some. Did you and I ever stop to think how Jesus feels 
when we don't respond to his prayers? If he's ever living to make intercession for you and me, Jesus will pray for us. That's what the scripture says. That we stop unhealthy habits. But do we? He prays that we walk in the spirit and not the flesh. But how many of us do? I'm sure a lot. But Jesus prays that we, we would be sincerely dedicated and committed to him. But are we? He prays that we be one with each other as Jesus and the Father is one, but we're not. He prays that we will all accept Him, Jesus, as a Lord and Savior, but all hasn't. It took me 24 years for that prayer that Jesus prayed for me to get answered. 24 years. See, we expect God to answer our prayers when we don't answer His. That's not a new doctrine, it's just, just a thought. See, the father of this sick boy we read about brought his son to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway the father of the child cried out with tears and said, Lord, I believe, look at this, help mine unbelief. Now here puts another whole element in this. Unbelief changes nothing. The father, he found in himself a degree of faith in the power of Christ, but it was mixed with unbelief because of the greatness of the child's sickness. Years he's watched a demon spirit torment his son for years. The father therefore desires that unbelief be removed from him and that he might be helped against unbelief. He saw it was not in his own power to believe and nor the strength in himself to oppose unbelief, but that both faith must be given and the power against unbelief. We have belief, believe, and then there is unbelief. Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. Abraham was strong in faith or strong in believing, giving glory to God. And Abraham being fully persuaded, say fully persuaded, being fully persuaded that what God had, there you go, promised, he was able to perform it. Belief is being fully persuaded. Unbelief is not being fully persuaded. If you can believe, and this, this man, this father said, Lord, I, I believe, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. I've prayed that a lot. God, help my unbelief to go. And I've got a scripture in Daniel that I hope just sets you aflame and ablaze. I'm sure you read it like I have, but it just really made a lot of sense to me the last time that I read it. Again, Mark 11:22, Jesus said, Have faith in God. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. If you say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things which you say, see our saying is connected to what we're believing. It said, believe once and say it three times. It shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, here you go, when you pray, 
believe, you shall receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, uh uh-oh, forgive. You can have what you say when you stand in forgiveness praying. And God drops it into your heart or reveals a scripture to you. Then you can have that promise and you can say, I am healed. You know, people are really sick in their body. And you say, how you doing? They say, well, uh, I'm good. (laughs) Well, you don't look good. Well, the fact is I'm not good. The fact is the doctor says I'm a mess. But the truth is, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. That is what the truth is. I believe the truth that says, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. It's not going by just saying something. If you will believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth. See, if we confess something with our mouth, we don't believe in our heart, there's nothing. If you will, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you will believe it in your heart, believe it, be fully persuaded that Jesus said, by my stripes you are healed and have no doubt. The doubt, go from me. Unbelief, go from me. Faith, Come, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith cometh. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, I don't see it yet, but it cometh. It cometh. Faith is now. Praise the Lord for faith. And it's not of any, we can't even brag on it because God has given us. He's given us faith, the ability to believe. And really the the ability to get rid of doubt. Jesus, his promise is conditional. He said, in prayer, believing. We have to pray and believe to receive. Can you agree with that? We pray the will and the word of God, and then we believe that we can receive it because that's something God has promised. And we have absolute confidence that if he promised it, it is mine, it is mine. He has provided it for me. And then I begin to say with my mouth, I believe, I receive, I believe by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I've been going after healing for a long time, but now I'm after divine health. I've been after divine health for a long time. The same God that can heal me from a sickness can cause me to walk in health. If thou canst believe, that is possible. I want to go out of here in a well body. I don't believe a body has to die with some kind of disease when God's done with us. You believe differently? I believe we can go to heaven in a well body. The body doesn't have to get sick of disease and suffer for the last 10 years or three years or three months of our life. I believe God can just take us, that we can have health. Beloved above all things, all things, all things are possible. I'm believing for, beloved above all things, I want you to prosper and be in I'm believing for health. Are you believing for health, to walk in health? His promise is continual. See, a person cannot come every now and then to God and demand answers. Prayer is to be constant. The person who receives answers from God knows God personally. He knows his word. His sheep knows his voice. He is constant in unbroken fellowship with God. You know, we just really can't live like we want to live and expect God to do for the things we ask. He chose us. We didn't even chose him. 
God delights in the prosperity of His people. But God many times is an if and then God. If you will do this, then I will do this. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will do this. Many of God's promises are conditioned upon us doing something. Some of them, God just said it, and that's the way that it is. But those that believe, are you a believer? Those that believe shall what? Lay hands upon the sick, and the sick will recover. Do you believe that? Well, see, if you don't, then it probably doesn't do much good to pray. Because all things are possible to him that believeth. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe. Here it is. Believe. How do I believe? Don't question it. See, one of the, the father's problems with his son is he saw. He saw a difference of what was supposed to be and what is. One of the hindrances to our faith that can cause doubt is when we see something going opposite of what the Word says is supposed to happen. If the Word said that I'm to be in health and I have to have strength and I have no health and I have no strength, when I look at that and when I feel that, doubt could arise. But Abraham was fully persuaded. If it's the Word of God, we have to be just... Um, like a bulldog sometimes. The Word of God says it. I see the symptoms. I feel the symptoms. I'm not denying there that they are there, but I'm saying what the Word of God says. If I will believe by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. See, that not only works in the body, that'll work in a marriage. That'll work everywhere because if you can believe and God has given us the Word on it, it's possible. Have faith and doubt not. For faith would not respond to doubting. There must be no hesitation in the mind, no reasoning upon how it can be performed. The mind must not divide it between God's power and His will. And the difficulties and the discouragements that go with our situation, but must believe in hope against hope and being fully persuaded that God is able. You know, this, this thing called the gospel and Christianity, you know, what's happened, a lot of the, the worship nowadays is learned behavior. A lot of the actions of Christians is learned behavior. Don't you believe that it is, this is not a condemnation to anything or anybody, but don't you believe that we need current faith? Don't you believe that testimonies are great, that God did this 20 years ago and you're still testifying because it happened to you and it's real and it's encouraging, but aren't you ready for what God did yesterday? Instead of having to pick it up 20 years ago, aren't you ready for current miracles, current faith? We're going to serve God whether we ever see another miracle or never ever get another prayer answered. We're going to serve God because we love Him. Isn't that true? But He said, these signs shall follow them. See, we've been following the signs a lot, 
going clear at another state to a conference or to a revival? Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? Why do we always have to go somewhere else? Revival starts with you. Revival starts with me. We can live in the spirit of revival if we can believe. In believing, you always have the opportunity to doubt. See, there's a slight difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is choosing to believe, but with some uncertainty. Unbelief, Jesus said, is faithlessness. Just don't have the faith for it. Doubt struggles to believe. Unbelief won't believe. Doubt is being fully persuaded or convinced. Oh, I like this one. Doubt has a backup plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, doubt has a backup plan. Doubt is uncertainly. Doubt is poison to belief. God does not overlook the doubts of those in great trials and afflictions. If you can believe. See, it isn't our, this sounds harsh, but it really isn't our pain that gets God's attraction or attention. It's our faith. It's our believing. And like this father, this son, he cried out and said, Lord, I believe. I believe I'm a believer. I believe I believe. But he said, help any unbelief to go that I have pure belief. And I can believe and receive because I don't want to doubt because I know I'll have to do without. And it really isn't complicated. It isn't for just a select few. It's for anyone that will believe. You believe all things are possible? With God, you, with God, all things are possible. I can believe that with God, all things are possible because He's God. But you, with God, all things are possible. We walk beside Him. That's why we pray. That's why I have a devotion. I don't know what time I started, so I don't know what time to stop. I think I started early so I can go longer, right? <laughs> when you start nodding off, I know it's time to quit. <laughs> God grants no other option but believing. This scripture, Daniel 5.12, let me quote it for you. For as much as an excellent spirit was found in Daniel... See, that's what we're after, Christian, an excellent spirit, not a double-minded spirit, an excellent spirit that pertains unto life and godliness. If you can believe, you can have an excellent spirit. I'm after an excellent spirit. Now, look at this. Daniel had knowledge and understanding, look, and dissolving of doubts. That just sent me into orbit when I read that. Daniel, because he had an excellent spirit, he had the anointing of dissolving of doubts. I would like to dissolve any and all doubts that we might have. That's an anointing. That goes with an excellent spirit. That goes with staying close to the Lord God. That stays with living this thing, just not talking it. Being involved, being committed. Again, we're bringing us, I believe God is bringing us all back to a, a deeper commitment, not assinuating again that no one is committed. There are committed people. But those of us that might be out on the outskirts a little bit and, and maybe got other things taking all of our time, it's time to evaluate our time. The days are short. Can you agree that the Lord will soon be coming? But when I read that, 
Wouldn't it be great to have the anointing in your own life that whenever doubt popped up, you had the anointing to dissolve it by the power of God? Therefore, we would have pure faith. We would have pure belief. If we'll believe and not doubt. So if I have the anointing of God, Daniel, God gave it to Daniel. And God's no respect of persons, we read. So I can believe, if I can, ooh, if I can believe, I can have the dissolving of doubts. If I can believe, because it's the word. Becomes with an excellent spirit, dissolving doubts. That means causing them to go. Help my doubts to go. That's what the man was saying to Jesus. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help it to be lessened. Help it to go. Help it to be dissolved. Oh, for the power of God that we would rise up for that desire. When you lay hands, when you believe for finances, when you believe for whatever you're believing for, doubt rises up. If it does, then by the authority of God, it dissolves as fast as it rose up. And then you believe and not doubt. And therefore, you shall have, Jesus said, what I said you could have. I'm sorry if I'm the only one excited about that, but it just really got me. <laughs> Matthew 14, 29, Jesus said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he, Peter, saw the wind boisterous, the storm, the waves, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did you, what? Wherefore did you doubt? Peter was he was, what caused him to have doubt was this. He said, Lord, I started to doubt because of what I saw. Father, he had doubt because of what he seen day after day after day after day and day after day. I started to doubt when I became afraid. Same with us today. I began to doubt, look, when I wasn't sure it was you asking me to get out of the boat. Because Peter said, Jesus, is that you? See, doubt will come when we're not sure it's the Lord. Doubt can come when we're not sure it's the Lord. And if fear comes in and takes over our emotions, it can cause us to doubt. I was afraid and therefore I sunk. It's what I saw. The economy, the, the everything, the jobs, the market, the finances, what we see, if it gets a grip on us, can cause us to doubt because of what we see. Therefore, we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are subject to change by that which is not seen. What is that? The possibility of all things. That which is seen, the Bible says, subject to change. How? By that which is not seen. It's in the Word. It's in my heart. I see what it says. I have no fear because that's about ready to change But that which is not seen by the power of the living God. Doubt arises within the context of faith. 
It comes because of our human weakness and frailties. Doubt longs to be sure of the things in which we trust. Doubt left along alone long enough becomes unbelief. Doubt creates hesitancy, dependency, and despair. It is a decay of comfort and a death of peace. Believe is the word which speaks life into a man and a woman, but doubt nails down his coffin. Perhaps the truest of Christians are those who never dare to doubt God, but take His Word simply as it stands and believe it and ask no questions, just feeling assured that if God said it, it will be so. Oh, hallelujah. If God said it, it if I, if it'll happen, if God said it, really, whether I believe it or not. But if I believe it, then I can experience if you have to see, you have to believe something before you can doubt it. You have to be committed to it before you begin to question it. Isn't that true? So doubt is held up as the unique problem of the believer. But I found the answer. Daniel, the dissolving of doubts. <laughs> can you believe that? I mean, Daniel was an integral man. He had, the Bible says, an excellent spirit. I'm going to close in a minute. You know, the Scripture says, I'm not concerned about where you put the comma in this, but when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against the enemy. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up. My point I want to make is, the enemy will come in. He, he does come in. And you don't have to, you, he'll come through locked doors. The thief comes through locked doors. You can have everything up, the guard and all the doors locked, and, and he still, he breaks in. That's what he is, a thief. But when that enemy comes in and comes against us, it says that the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against the enemy. And my thought is on this, we know the standard is Jesus Christ, but think about this. The standard that Jesus raises before the enemy, what if it's the standard we're living? If it's holiness, the standard wins. If it's double-mindedness, the standard's up for a real battle. But when the enemy comes in, if we're living in an excellent spirit, if we're living for God before and not doing things behind closed doors and sneaking little looks here and little looks there and little eyes here, the things we know, a little nip here, a little tuck there, a little puff there, I'm just talking about if we want an excellent spirit and if we want all things to be possible that God has said, if I will believe and not doubt, God will do it. If you don't want it for you, there's many, many people sitting around that need somebody that's got the goods. Somebody that's got not only the talk, but the walk. That they lay hands and they do recover. They have the wisdom. See, what I would like to have in these last days is like to... The sons of Ezekar, I think the name was, they had understanding of the times. Do you believe we need understanding of the times we live in? Do I pull out my 401k? Do I invest here? Do I do that? Do I put it all in the house and lock it up? Do I get a can, put it in a can and sit on the can? So nobody can get it. Do I sell this? Come on. Do I buy this? Do I invest there? Do I move? Do I go to this church? Do I go to that one? Do I let my son have this? Do I buy this car? We need understanding of the times. We need current revelation of the times we're living in. Our past 
testimonies and the past revelations are good, but I'm talking about current, right now. Faith is now. Current, up-to-date faith for problems that we never had back then. Problems that our forefathers and, and pastors of old and churches of old, they never dealt with it. We got things today that was never dealt with. How do you deal with pornography? How do you deal with the, the youth today that you can't even talk to them because they got their thumbs flying? How can you deal when you can't sit down at a meal because they're occupied, that the, the screens, whatever screen it is, is taking the attention? We can't even talk face-to-face -face anymore. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with the issues of today? Got to have understanding of the time, if I can believe have that because it's in the Word. He gave it to the sons. It is a part of wisdom. It's a part of knowledge. It's a part of the end-time wisdom. It's a fruit of the Spirit, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. It's a gift of the Spirit. And it comes with an excellent Spirit, the dissolving of doubts. Jesus rebuked that devil. He parted out of that boy. The child was cured in that very hour then came to the disciples and said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, faithlessness, because of what you see a lot of times. Fear will come by what we see. You know, I don't have, uh, you know, every jot and tittle on this, but I do know that for me, I'm on to something. I got to get my doubts dissolved. And first of all, I got to admit as a Christian, believing I'm a believer and a faith person, I probably got some doubts. I'm not seeing the results that the scripture says that I can have, that I can see. The church isn't even seeing that. But we're getting back to the Bible. God's moving his church. We build off of the foundation. I'm talking about church in general. Built off of the foundation, a lot of them. All kind of crazy stuff has gone on in the name of church, in the name of religion. We've, we've preached everything and every scam and everything that could be preached from behind the sacred desk. And people have been vulnerable. There have been crooked leaders, crooked congregations. But God, he says, I'm going to do a new thing and I'm going to build my church. And the gates are stationary. The gates, you're going to plunder the gates. The gates are not going to overtake. Jesus will have a church triumphant. And praise the Lord God, we're desiring, your pastor and many around here are desiring to be part of that church that Jesus is building. But this nonsense, I think we could all agree, the nonsense in the church has got to go. Pettiness has got to go. Adult people acting like children have got to go. Being offended so easy has got to go. You know, we got to love one another. And Jesus said, because of your unbelief, and he said, how be it? This kind doesn't go out by prayer and fasting. A couple of uh, thoughts are closed, but this kind. He's talking probably about this kind of devil doesn't come out, but I believe he could have been talking about this kind of unbelief we have only goes out by prayer and fasting. If I got doubts, I believe I can pray and fast. This kind doesn't go out of a man very easy. When you when you got doubt and unbelief, you know, 
rooted in your heart over years and years of hurt, years and years of bad teaching, years and years of abuse or whatever it might be. Sometimes prayer and fasting is the key. God, I thank you. We can pray and that we can fast is actually denying the appetite. And that's really the Christian's lifestyle, isn't it? Denying the appetites of the flesh. I'll move on. (laughs) Got to move away from that fasting thing quickly. But he said, Jesus said, because of your unbelief, that's the correct answer. Instead of accepting this answer today, we have manufactured innumerable substitutes as excuses for the lack of power, such as, well, you know, it might not be God's will. God may be trying to teach you something, and power to heal was for the apostles only. Signs and gifts and miracles cease with the apostles and the disciples, and see, you can get full of pride if God answers your prayers, and healing is, you know, not for everyone today, and it might not be God's timing, and we go on, go on, and go on with reasons why Jesus said because of your unbelief. So we can candy coat it however we want to make us look better. (laughs) But the truth is, Lord, help my unbelief. The dissolving of my unbelief. The dissolving of my doubts. The wherefore I can stand like Abraham and be fully persuaded. Can you have that? Yes, because all things, the just shall live by pure faith if you can believe. If you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. I don't know the size or not, or the kind. <clears throat> Nothing shall be impossible to you upon the condition of doubtless believing, faith in Christ, faith exercise in fasting and prayer, believing based upon the Word of God are the provisions for all things being possible. And then the book is all good things throughout eternity. The unbelieving soul will be testifying to this truth. God is holy. I was a sinner. I rejected his salvation. I turned my back upon his gospel. I despised his son. I hated God himself. I lived in my sins. I loved my sins. I died in my sins. And now I am lost in eternity. And God is righteous in my conviction. God is good. No one will ever be able to point a finger at God and say, you wasn't fair with me. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to believe. Can you believe? Can you believe it? How many times? Can you believe that? No. Can you believe that they're going to Cut the social security and all the bet. I can't believe that because my God. Now, this is talking big because I'm on social security. I'm getting the check. Cut it off when I start drawing it. No, 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 no. I paid into it just like all of us did. That gets into political. We're not going there. But if you can believe that God will take care of you, folks, we can believe it. We've got to believe it. We've all preached. Most preachers have always preached about the end times and how about the mark of the beast and the end times and the Antichrist, you know, and, you know, the, the, the economical collapse which is coming, which Revelation talks about and all that. We've all preached it. We've all said it. We've all heard it. But see, it's here, and I got a hard time dealing with it. You know, I thought maybe it'd be from 
my, the ones behind me, but now we're looking at it. Seek first the kingdom of God and to be righteous in His righteousness in all these things. Huh? Everything you have need of will be added. People are saying, well, God, you know, promised uh, He'd give us our needs, but not our wants. Uh, I read where King David said, the Lord's my shepherd, I don't even want. But what's the key? Being in relationship with Him. Being in the Word. Being in prayer. Living in an excellent spirit. It's just what a Christian does. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, it's what Christians do. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to smell good. We're supposed to have a, the language of heaven. We're supposed to be excited about our God, our church, and our, our fellowships, and our Bible and the Word. We're supposed to be. See, what I think needs to happen is the, the, God needs to renew the joy of our salvation. Not necessarily renew our salvation. He saved me, and I believe I'm saved. I haven't slid backwards and denied Him. So, But sometimes my salvation gets a little stale. God needs to renew. He can renew. He's a re-God. Revival, restore, re-everything. <laughs> He's a re-God, and He can renew the joy of my salvation. How many remember when you were first saved? Boy, when I was first saved, I preached to everything that moved or didn't move. I was getting them to church on the front row. I just What happens? Well, you get gray and mature, and you've learned a few things, took a few knocks, and so you just want to be a nice person and go to heaven and not get involved. <laughs> I'd rather know what I know, and don't you destroy the picture of what I know. I don't have room for no more information. I This is the way I see the Lord, so don't try to tell me any different about Him. God can renew. And it's not a sin. It's not wrong. I mean, stuff happens, doesn't it? Stuff happens to us that shouldn't happen. Things happen that, that shouldn't. And it can wear on you after a while, can it? When things don't go the way they're supposed to. You get this news or that news that isn't good. God can renew the joy. The joy of the Lord is my if I have no joy, I have no. So God can renew it. And that, you know, I need renewed every day. We all carry heavy loads. You got loved ones that's unsaved. You know people that's unsaved. As fast as this thing is going. You know, we really need to do the work we're going to do while there's daylight. There's coming a night that we can't. So I want to encourage you. I hope I have encouraged you, and I hope Pastor doesn't have any cleanup to do when he listens to this CD. But uh, if he says I was wrong and you believe him, because he has a right to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But I, I just, it's in my heart to encourage us to be all that God said we could be. You know, it's not about who can preach better than who and who's got the position and who gets paid the most. And It's not about that. 
Every one of us have something to give. Every one of us have a ministry of reconciliation. You've been so kind, it's just hard to put the caboose on, but I know I have to because I've seen five people yawn on this side over here. This side's doing all right. Yeah. Oh, there goes one there. All right, would you stand to your feet? <laughs> Praise God. Thank you for your time and for your patience. And my prayer is, as I always pray, is, God, you will be glorified. You know, we're all different vessels and messengers. We're just one bigger town, another bigger where we got the bread. And uh, Jesus Christ is the bread of life. And uh, I want to pray. And I, I don't know uh, about you, but uh, this is called an altar. This is what we call an altar. And see, I think we need to bring the altar back. A lot of times, you know, the altar has been done away with, you know. The truth is, the altar really isn't where you come to get the blessing. The altar is where you come to die. <laughs> you come to lay your life down to the Master and believe that He'll pick it up. Praise the Lord. The altar is open. If anyone would, would uh, like a desire prayer, and I had to prayer this morning, but if you'd like to feel like you want the joy of your salvation renewed or feel like you're dealing with some doubt or unbelief and I'm just going to believe, God, that we can pray the dissolving of doubt. If it comes with an excellent spirit, I'm after an excellent spirit. You know, I'm sure before I leave here, someone can point out where I don't have one. But, you know, I'm going for it anyway. Praise the Lord. So the altar is open for anyone that would like to come bow before the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, thank you today for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, we do love you. Lord, we're all from different backgrounds. We've been taught many different things, some very good and some things that needs adjusted. But God, you and your word is the absolute truth. And I pray that we, our faith and our believing, Lord, that you would help us to tune it up and believe what we say we believe. You are the Son of God and God has raised you from the dead. And Lord, sometimes we can get weary in this Christian journey. And you said, don't be weary and we'll do it well doing, Lord. That's a statement in a prayer you prayed, but sometimes we do. And Lord, forgive us, but you come to us and you minister to us and you strengthen us. God, I want to strengthen any feeble hands today. By your word, by your presence, God, go to anyone standing under the sound of my voice in this place. Lord, it's not... Sometimes we're a little embarrassed maybe to say, oh, I'm really struggling. But God, you said that in our weakness, you are made strong. But Lord, I'm thanking you now for coming and giving us that anointing, that discernment, that power of the Holy Spirit, that doubts begin to dissolve in our life. Our faith is rising. Our believing is becoming concrete. We're becoming fully persuaded. Lord, we don't need a whole lot more teaching. We're kind of teaching tired and sermon sick sometimes. But God, help us to put to work what we know to do. That we know it is right to pray. We know it is right, God, to believe you, to study your word, to fulfill your call in our lives. So, Lord, bless your people as they go their different ways and those that may make their way to the altar, God, meet with them, I pray. Bless Pastor Joe and hope that he is refreshed and comes back with fresh new vision. Lord, bless he and his family. Bless this church, oh God.
Bless our relationships and fellowship with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. If you are being dismissed, please be dismissed quietly.